focused on cloud, publication, data center industry, trends, the dynamic market. I'm David Liggett with Data Center Hawk, and I'm so excited to be joined by Rich Miller. Rich is the founder uh, and editor of Data Center Frontier, uh, he, and he's been in the data center industry uh, a long time. So, Rich, thanks so much for joining. Uh, thanks for the invite. I'm uh, great to spend time with you, and uh, as you know, I love talking about data centers. You bet. And I, uh, as we were talking before, I can't believe it's taken this long for this to happen. And I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, if you're in the space, a lot of our um, listeners and viewers uh, are, are deep into the data center weeds. So they're obviously familiar with, uh, with you and your impact on this industry. Uh, but for the small percentage that might not be, uh, tell, just give a brief background. Like how did you get plugged into the data center space? Wow. So uh, my background is initially in, in journalism. Uh, I started out as a sports writer and kind of worked through just about every desk and beat in the in the newsroom in about uh, you know 18 years working in the, uh, at newspapers in New Jersey. Hmm. And the last few years of that was uh, covering business, and in those days, uh, covering business meant technology, uh, and uh, uh, that included my wife and I uh, started a, sort of a, a side gig uh, hmm. building websites because as soon as I saw the internet, got on America Online and realized that it was a publishing platform, it was pretty clear to me that it would, uh, you know, sort of transform the way that uh, that news was uh, broadcast and, and that people got their information. And so in a way, my, my journey has really been a sort of a, a two-track uh, tr trip through uh, a lot of change in both the data center industry and in journalism and news. Uh, and where that all kind of came together was in 2000, uh, the internet was really getting to be a big thing. And my wife was uh, working at a, a real estate uh, company doing, you know, starting making a website for them so they could do transactions online. And a couple, you know, a couple of the folks that they had did uh, uh, transactions in telecom real estate. Mm. And one of them was like, man, you're writing about the wrong thing. You should be writing about data centers <laughs> and, and yeah. carrier hotels, because yeah. that was sort of the uh, the, the, the term of art at the time for where a lot of the action was happening. So I, uh, uh, I was curious enough that I went to walk through a data center uh, outside Princeton. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where you suddenly realize that there's this whole world of infrastructure behind the scenes. I understood yep. the front end of the internet. I understood how to build a website, but this was really this moment where I was walking through this amazing facility. And it was like, they're going to need these everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I got involved uh, with, you know, the, the guy who uh, walked me through the, uh, the facility. I had a consulting business and I just started a website uh, called carrierhotels.com, which okay. really was looking at, you know, those days it was big buildings in the central business district. Uh, but that was 20 years ago. I've been writing about the industry in different forms ever since. Uh, in 2005, I, I started Data Center Knowledge, uh, which was my first sort of startup from the, the get-go. I just kind of like was sitting over here and started typing a blog post on, on my computer. And, you know, the way that uh, the world has changed, uh, you could publish to the world that way. And mm -hmm. Data Center Knowledge, uh, uh, you know, we covered a ton. I think I wrote like 8,000 or 9,000 stories or some <laughs> crazy amount uh, just trying to keep track of the, the spectacular growth of the industry. 
Um, and in 2015, I had sort of a, a second chapter in starting Data Center Frontier, which was a little bit different. You know, we sold data center knowledge in, in 2012. And by after, you know, helping with a, a transition for a couple of years, I was burnt to a crisp. You know, sometimes uh, startups and, and running a, a business uh, really takes a lot out of you. And I sort of figured after that I would transition into writing about something else, maybe mm-hmm. blockchain and all of the, the crazy stuff that was going on there. But um, where I really came back to is there's, a, I think, a lot of great stories to tell about the data center industry uh, and to take kind of a deeper dive into a lot of it. Lots of times at, at DCK, we were very much trying to just cover everything that was happening. There was so much mm-hmm. news that the ability to kind of dig into stories and think about where things are going. That's the frontier piece of it is that the world is changing so quickly. Uh, Data centers are at the heart of all of that. And we're trying to help our readers understand where this is all headed and how it gets there from here. Yeah, well, man, there's so much that I'd go back on, you know, what you just covered. I mean, uh, and I want to end with I want our next question to be on that frontier piece, because I, I think it's it's interesting. But um, you know, for so many people that have entered this industry, I mean, I think they've done it through learning through your eyes and, and your words uh, through data center knowledge. I know, like, so back when I started in 2007 with CBRE, you know, I, I got put onto a, da- a team to do data center work. Well, I had never thought about a megawatt or a kilowatt or redundancy or any of the things that we talk about. And I think a lot of, you know, my initial knowledge was probably reading your you know, the, the articles that you and others had had posted on data center knowledge. So maybe this is a, an unofficial or maybe an official thank you, but, uh, you know, appreciate all of your efforts. Yeah. And doing that because it is it is one of those industries that from the outside looking in uh, at times it can kind of, you know, depending on which way you come from, it can be intimidating. You're not sure what this these buildings really are, what they do. And so I think you've done a really good job of helping people. Um, shorten that timeline to really understand what's going on in the market. Well, well, thanks. I appreciate that. First of all, coming from you and the impact that you've had on the data center industry. Uh, and, you know, for me, if you're a journalist, ultimately you're a storyteller at heart. Sure. And a lot of that over the years for me has become about explanatory journalism and taking things that are a little bit complicated and helping people understand them and get their heads around them. Uh, And particularly DCK was just sort of a wonderful opportunity uh, to meet a lot of people who were just learning about this. Sometimes I was learning about it like five minutes ahead of them and being (laughs) able to uh, to kind of be a guide for a lot of people in getting to know uh, this industry during a, a period of extraordinary growth but uh but let me tell you it's it's a challenge because as you know there are so many disciplines that are involved in in a data center and the business that we're we're tracking Uh, and so you know that's a real challenge absolutely so when you started data center frontier so you took some time off you started data center frontier and it was right when this hyperscale sector really started to to take on a life of its own. You know, from from our standpoint at Data Center Hawk, you know, these are typical requirements that are five to ten megawatts and higher. And so, in the space uh, pre two thousand, you know, fifteen or sixteen, there hadn't been a lot of those requirements. And and then you know, kind of right as you're starting Data Center Frontier, some of those really start to grow in in different places all across the world. Talk about just your perspective on you know, being uh, um, in the position of telling that story 
at that mo at that time and how you've seen you know that market change well when i started data center frontier you know sort of our first piece was was titled the rise of the cloud data center uh, and it was sort of a you know a thematic statement about what we thought the industry was going to look like and and two of the key components were scale that everything was going to get bigger and uh what I think is sort of the predecessor of edge, which is uh, data centers in new places. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we've seen a lot of that, but particularly the scale piece, you mentioned uh, the hyperscale players. I think they've really, it's been a transformative trend in a lot of ways. And one of the most important ways is that it has helped the investment community uh, connect with and understand the data center, uh, you know, sort of experience in a different way. Uh, you came from a, from a real estate background. And so the history of data centers in real estate is kind of you know problematic, particularly mm -hmm. going back to like 2000. A lot of people tried to get in and get that, what they called the telecom premium uh, and didn't do well. They lost their shirts. Mm -hmm. There were some real mm -hmm. disasters with traditional real estate investors trying to understand this sort of specialized niche within the field. But the hyperscale um, folks really changed the game because instead of like a multi-tenant facility with people with a lot of different business models, it was, you know, single tenant buildings occupied by some of the most credit worthy uh, uh, customers you could find anywhere and a very sticky undertaking. So from a real estate perspective, suddenly that was a easy to understand. And some of the largest investors in the world suddenly became, you know, they came flooding into the industry. And that's allowed this, both the scale to, to explode, mm -hmm. uh, to build the new cap capacity in every place that we need it. Uh, and also it's, it's brought about a sort of industrialization of the data center uh, industry in which there's a lot of technology, a lot of innovation uh, being applied uh, to build these things faster and cheaper and wherever people need them. Yeah, the changes to the industry by this segment have been remarkable, you know, just from, you mentioned some of the design aspect and, you know, how these have transformed from multi-tenant facilities to single tenant facilities. You also mentioned the credit worthiness of the tenants, which, you know, that's such a big part for, for those maybe outside of the, you know, investment uh, world, just the fact that these companies that are the actual tenants are as credit worthy as they are really allows for, um, you know, the scale ability to be reached in a way that startups or maybe companies with uh, uh, credit that look different wouldn't. And so it's a it's been a significant change to the market. The 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 one of the interesting pieces, too, is this enterprise segment. So, you know, when we think about the market, we think kind of smaller enterprise hyperscale. And so we have seen you know, almost a resurgence of the enterprise market in 2021. You know, in 2020, seemed like the pandemic really slowed down a lot of those companies. Since then, there's been somewhat of a resurgence. But what have you seen from your perspective in that market and the financial and technology and insurance companies? You know, what's your take on them? There are a lot of similarities with what happened in the pandemic and what we saw in the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. Yeah in that uh, enterprises uh, suddenly, you know, cash was king. And when you, you see the uh, credit uh, crunch emerging, um, suddenly cash is dear 
And in a way that uh, in the, the financial crisis, that really helped with the wholesale data center model in particular, where people are like, oh, can we put this on a, as an operating expense rather than building our own? Uh, and so, you know, but enterprises uh, are very careful with their spending. And the thing about the pandemic was because of the unpredictability of all of it, uh, it's really been difficult for, I think, large organizations to come up with a sort of strategy about, well, how do we, how do we invest? Uh, what do we do with our IT infrastructure? Even at a time where the nature of the pandemic made data center assets and, and networks in particular uh, more valuable than ever. So I think what we definitely saw is that in 2020, a lot of folks went into a sort of a wait and see mode where they were doing the things that were essential to keep things going, to be able to support the distributed workforce. Uh, but there were a lot of projects that probably got put on hold, uh, including some of the modernization and migration projects. And, uh, and I think we're seeing a lot of that come back into the market into 2021, uh, which also means that we're seeing some of those sort of small to mid-size requirements are becoming much more active. And, it's certainly been good news for some of the markets that are very reliant on uh, on enterprise businesses and maybe, you know, uh, not so much the hyperscale. So I think, you know, for regional markets in particular, I think uh, it's been a good story having the enterprises busy again. Although some of the regional markets are also seeing more hyperscale activity. Yeah, you, yeah, it's, it's really been, um, you know, the tale of two stories in some of these markets, you know, if you think like the Dallas and Chicago's Atlanta, Phoenix, to an extent, um, you know, being as experienced you are in the space, when you think back over the last, you know, five, 10 years, what do you, what have been the most exciting like evolutions and changes in the market from your perspective? I mean, you've, like you said, you, you wrote eight to 9,000 different, you know, stories at data center knowledge. And since then a number at data center frontier. So from your standpoint, what, what have been the most exciting changes? Listen, I think one of the most interesting things is that uh, by and large, I don't have to explain so much about what a data center is. <laughs> um, we cover that in the first thousand articles, man. It's that. The, the fact of the matter is most folks now have a better understanding yeah about data centers and, yeah. and how they are connected to their lives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, particularly this has been building for years. Like when people started using social media, suddenly they understood that if Facebook was down, that there was like, you know, a, a network problem somewhere and that there were, there was hardware and software involved with that. Um, but, you know, during the pandemic, my goodness, you know, the entire world uh, suddenly relied on data centers in a, a new way. Uh, and maybe if they didn't necessarily think about that, but, you know, Zoom and online video, uh, online learning became a critical lifeline for so many uh, families, um, you know, healthcare uh, that was uh, remote where you were doing these kind of appointments and all of the e-commerce. I think, you know, people really understand the critical nature of data centers. And that's important both at a sort of uh, on an individual basis when you talk to folks, but also in terms of like economic development and communities understanding the value of data centers, mm -hmm. uh, because now they're all over the landscape in ways that they haven't been in the past, particularly when we get into edge data centers and all of that, uh, for a lot of 
public officials and and just neighbors, you know, with that data center down the street, uh, understanding what that does, I think is helpful in uh, uh, in the conversations that are that are we see popping up around this industry. Yeah, there's. I, th- I think you know we certainly have a part in this. I know some other larger companies are working too to help educate and you know just people understand um, the value of these facilities. And to your point, as they are growing, and in certain markets, uh, you know there's there's situations where there's a lot of you know data center facilities. So just helping groups understand the value of those facilities seems to be really important. Um, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned, I'd be um, I'd kick myself if I didn't go back and ask you about it, but you said you started carrierhotels.com. So tell everyone, you know, I think maybe most people would know what a carrier hotel is, but maybe help everybody understand what that is and maybe how that value has changed over time. Sure. Uh, I wrote a story a couple of years back called carrier hotels are sexy again. And, uh, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true. Everything kind of comes full circle. So, yeah. The Carrier Hotel is the big uh, building, usually in the central business district uh, of a, a major city, right next to a central office of the phone company. Uh, and they became these key pieces of real estate in the sort of digital world uh, where all of it's where all the networks come together. Like, you know, for when we think in terms of the, the big picture internet, well, Ashburn is where all the networks meet. But, you know, initially in 2000, uh, places like 60 Hudson Street in New York, the mm. Infomart down in Dallas, uh, where where you guys are, one Wilshire in Los Angeles. Uh, these were the the sort of uh, central buildings in the, the what became the data center world. Uh, and in a lot of cases, the folks who operated them stumbled across this business yeah. model, where you know they happened to have uh, a building with some uh, space available right next to. Uh, the phone company's building and uh, you know the way that uh, they opened competition with to the bell networks but the original ground rules were oh yeah well you just give us our equipment we'll put it in our building we'll look after it and of course for folks who were trying to compete with uh, the the bells uh, that didn't work so great so they looked for the buildings right nearby where they could get a you know a short connection to the uh, to the phone company and they started moving in and suddenly filling it with all this mission critical equipment. And, uh, and so that was the, the sort of original universe of what became the data center industry. Now those buildings had limitations, which is they were in major cities. Lots of times it was, it was hard to, to expand, uh, you know, power was expensive. Uh, and so these tended to be, you know, dense, lots of, uh, of different networks in there when people needed a lot of servers and a lot of storage, the kind of buildings that Google and, you know, eBay and Yahoo, you know, started building, they needed more space. And so we started to see this shift to the suburbs and the, the data center model of these different kinds of facilities. But as, you know, networks have become so important uh, in, in recent years, carrier hotels, which were kind of uh, not so sexy for a while, have become you know, recognized for their importance in the ecosystem. And there's a a number of companies that have just sort of built these models around buying up the the carrier hotels. Doesn't happen all the time because there's a small number of facilities and and, uh, they're they're, uh, pretty valuable, Uh, but doing some improvements to them. And and that's a a, a pretty vibrant business model right now. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch the capital 
uh, flow into that part of the space. To your point, five, 10 years ago, that was not as interesting as it is today, you know, and then the importance of the network has really driven uh, the value of those buildings and will continue to. I don't, I don't think anyone thinks that the, the network is getting less important or will anytime soon. So, um, you know, and, and those buildings too, in fact, I've always wanted to do this and I probably never will. So, and, and you would, you would do such a good job at this, but I feel like someone in our industry should write like a history of the carrier hotels. There's so much history around just the buildings you mentioned, the Infomart, 60 Hudson, one Wilshire, think about 350 East Cermak in Chicago, even like the DC two, you know, building in, in Ashburn. I mean, the history of which this is major data center geek world here, but just the history of, you know, those buildings and what they have meant to the cities. And then also to what they've meant to this industry, because everything to an extent goes back through those, those facilities from a connectivity standpoint. And it's a, um, I always, whenever I walk in those buildings, I'm always just reminded of, you know, these are like some, sometimes these are buildings that were built in the 1920s, you know, the 1930s. It's just, I don't know, very interesting part of the space. It is. And then we're going to be writing more about that. I mean, because when you go in places like, you know, like some of them are the big art deco buildings in New York yeah. that have these gorgeous lobbies and, and, and everything. So lots of great stories and great history there. OK, so uh, tell us about how you saw data center providers uh, adjust during the pandemic. I mean, you this was obviously a such a unique time for the world and specifically the, the data center industry. Um, and, and you mentioned how important this this asset class became during that time period. How did you see providers adjust to make sure that they could continue the operations of these buildings? The interesting thing about the pandemic is that all of these companies have in the data center industry have really sophisticated plans for just about any eventuality. So they've all got emergency operations plans they sh that, that they will put into place if there's a hurricane or, or tornadoes or uh, you know all kinds of uh, potential disasters. The pandemic was one that we really hadn't had mm -hmm. and didn't have direct experience with. And partly because you know there's always different elements of, of uh, different kind of disasters and challenges. But this one was just very, the, the human element of this was, was front and center. How do we keep our people healthy? And I think the, what became a, a focus right away was access to buildings. How do we make sure that we're limiting access? Only the people that really need to be there can be there. Uh, you know, which had a lot of implications with how you would normally operate a data center. As you know, you usually have the uh, vendors coming in and out to service equipment, customers coming in to, to work on their stuff, particularly in the multi-tenant co-location environments. Uh, and suddenly the challenge became, how do we maintain and operate these buildings and keep all of the people healthy who are inside, but also make sure that we don't have folks come in who are going to start an outbreak inside the data center. Mm -hmm. I think that was the scenario that, that folks were worried about. And so it became smaller staffs, longer shifts. Um, but it was really a refinement of a lot of things that data centers uh, do extraordinarily well already. Uh, but there were, there, were, there were good key tests on everything. And I think what carried a lot of folks through is that uh, most service providers uh, have developed develop pretty robust remote access uh, software and tools so that staff can work from, from different places because there's so much travel involved for executives and things too. 
And I think once uh, everything became more distributed, that was really critical in the industry's ability to continue doing what it was doing. Uh, and you know, there were some of the largest customers had extraordinary uh, requirements in the early days of this as, um, as video conferencing became more important. Some of the, the largest companies have talked about just, you know, massive uh, additions of capacity mm -hmm. in a very short order. Uh, and it's a good thing they all work on capacity planning because all that space <laughs> got gobbled up right quick and the industry went back into building mode. Yeah, it was it was already, you know, the, the data that we were tracking, I mean, it was already going to be a, a, a strong year for the from a data center perspective. And then you throw the, the challenges from the pandemic perspective and then and then the, the, the additional growth that that created. You know, really created such a unique year uh, from both the supply and and demand uh, standpoint. And you know, twenty twenty one certainly is is a strong year. Uh, I don't know if we'll see the levels that we saw in twenty twenty, but what it does point to, which I, I think you alluded to, which was a, a really good point, is just the the digital transformation companies had to make. Um, you know, has has created a number of new opportunities in our space and. It'll be interesting to watch that play out, you know, over the next few years. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to see here. I remember when we had that huge year in 2018, we're like, well, nothing will ever top that. Sure. And in 2020, with the pandemic coming, I mean, some of the numbers, and you guys track it and do a great job, uh, you know, keeping an eye on, on what's going on in the market. Some of the numbers were just bonkers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so... It's really interesting. A lot of the, the big growth right now, as you know, is in uh, overseas markets. It's becoming an increasingly international uh, business, uh, but um, it, there's just a lot of activity. And I think when you talk to uh, folks about what they expect, uh, you know, I don't ever hear anybody say, yeah, you know, I think we're just about people are going to, you know, stop using more data and, uh, and we're going to run out of demand for these things. Everyone's using more data today than they did yesterday and they'll be using more tomorrow. I think yeah. that's the way the world is going. So many uh, services and things that we do in our lives, society is just becoming more digital, even without the pandemic, but mm -hmm. especially. Uh, so, you know, the, the, growth, uh, the growth path is, is gonna be pretty robust for, for quite a while to come, I think. And looking forward, you know, what technologies or what do you think will contribute to that, that growth path? Well, AI is the big one right now. Everybody wants to uh, add artificial intelligence to make their applications and devices smarter. Uh, and I think a lot of people are finding real sort of bottom line benefits to, you know, sift out from all of the data that's being created to find the stuff that can really provide business value. Uh, so I, and, and that's, AI is really an infrastructure story. The reason this all works now is because there's more powerful hardware to be able mm -hmm. to crunch all of this data. And the models are getting bigger all the time. And, and I was listening on the, on these AI hardware summits uh, last week, and some of the stuff in the pipeline is crazy. So that I think is the big one. I think a lot of folks are, are fascinated with this whole notion of you know, a, a metaverse driven by virtual reality or, or augmented reality uh, kind of technology, uh, which I think uh, for a long time, AR and VR have been technologies looking for market applications uh, where apart from like Pokemon Go, nothing's really sort of exploded. 
Sure. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, there's a lot of them are kind of extensions of video game universes. Mm -hmm. But because they're so resource intensive from a, an infrastructure perspective, mm -hmm. if that uh, ever really is something that evolves, like, you know, the Facebook folks, for example, really think there's going to be a social, uh, uh, a social networking metaverse. If that ever happens, I, you know, that is a technology uh, to watch. And, you know, obviously autonomous vehicles and all of that is something that uh, there's so much going on. It's, it's been a longer runway than uh, maybe some folks expected, but if that ever happens, it has a lot of implications for, you know, the, the, the whole digital transformation and where that goes and, and really societally it could change a lot of things. If someone is coming to datacenterfrontier.com, tell us about, um, and, and they think, oh, it's just kind of a, this front story, the top story, I think they would be sorely mistaken from my perspective. There's a lot of different, I was just actually on my phone looking at the site. Talk, just talk about some of the different like paths that you have on the site. Like I know people can just get like news stories, but what else, what else are you doing to help promote what's going on in the market? Well, so obviously one of the things with uh, uh, a publishing business is that you work with, uh, you know, partners to try and help tell the story of the industry. Uh, so we do have sponsors that we work with who have, you know, ex columns where they share their expertise and insight. Uh, we do a lot of reports that will dig into a, a particular element of the data center world. Uh, lots of those are very focused on businesses or types of technologies now. As you know, we work with Data Center Hawk on some of the market reports, looking at specific geographies, uh, which you know, that's the way a lot of people, uh, you know, sort of slice and dice the industry and, and where they need their requirements. And then we, we try to look at both the, the, the real estate piece of it, who's, who's building where, how much and why. Uh, there's the uh, investment and finance piece is very large right now with the M&A activity. Yeah. We just had a $10 billion, uh, you know, merger deal in, in the industry. Uh, and that's been fairly transformative as well. Um, and so it's a, it's a very sort of, uh, uh, you know, we try and use the, the navigation on the site to help, you know, expose all the different things that we're writing about, like, but the different technologies, because we're tracking all of them. One of the like interesting was, ones is, you know, satellites in the data center business. Suddenly, you know, the cloud is connected to space and, uh, uh, and and uh, we've had one of our freelancers, Doug Money, who has uh, expertise in that. And and so apart from myself, I'm scrambling and writing all the time. But we're also working with other folks with insights into the data center industry to to really help people see everything that's coming down the pike. Because as much as I scramble and as as much as I've seen, there is so much happening. That is true. Well, I think most people know, but if you want to find out more on, you know, Rich and what they're doing at Data Center Frontier, it's datacenterfrontier.com. So go to the website. It's awesome. I mean, and I would, I bet that many people on this, if you're listening are, are doing that anyway, but one of the things I love about uh, Rich's team's content is the way they slice it up and tell, they, they tell the story um, in different ways. And I think that's really valuable, especially as you mentioned, there's just so much happening. So getting these different perspectives is so valuable. So again, it's datacenterfrontier.com. Check it out, Rich. I just want to thank you so much. This has been really fun and I feel like we could do this for hours. So maybe the next time we're together, we'll, we'll bring Red along and we'll grab dinner and we'll just, we'll talk. And I'll just, again, just ask you questions about 
what's happening in the space. But I, I really appreciate it. It's great to be with you. Hey, listen, it is uh, it is great to be with you. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, a great respect for for Data Center Hawk. You, you really bring a lot of uh, great information uh, to folks, including these podcasts and videos, which uh, is, a, uh, you know, a very important way for people to be learning about this industry. So uh, thank you for your kind words. And, and uh, uh, as I said, I love to talk about data centers. Uh, let's do it again sometime soon. You bet. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Rich.